0: good to be back with you. Uh, it's been a couple of years, at least, uh, since the last time we were here. Uh, it's, of course, a little different coming back uh, without Donna's folks here, the Hansons. Um, but uh, this is still the place where Donna grew up, the assembly where she uh, was in Sunday school. This is the, uh, the family that sent us to Turkey in 1987. Uh, so we are very grateful to you all for all the years of uh, friendship and support, partnership that we've we've had uh, with you. How are we doing there, Alan? Oh, we're okay. All right, good. It is finished. You can all go home. <laughs> <No>? um. <laughs> good. Um. So this is my subject today, and you're sort of familiar with these words, anybody who has read the uh, at least the Gospel of John, uh, you know these words that the Lord spoke at the from the cross just before he um, he died, before he gave up his his spirit. He said, "It is finished." And I was thinking about this phrase, and of course, it's one of the great things that we rejoice in is the the f- idea of the finished work of Christ. Uh, it's the foundation of everything for us uh, in many ways. And then I got thinking that you know there's. A, Actually, there's an aspect of the work of Christ that is not finished. Uh, There's the unfinished work of Christ. And then there's work that we are called to finish. A race, work to finish. Uh, And I'm going to take you to two verses here that give us these uh, these ideas. One is from the cross, and one is from the throne at the end of the the Bible. Uh, And I'd like us to think about The finished work of Christ that is done, and then the unfinished work of Christ that will be done, and then what about what we are called to do uh, in cooperation with the Lord in this period to finish what we've been given to do. So that's the the outline of what we're going to be be looking at today. It is finished, it will be finished, and uh, let us finish. Uh, it's kind of an important thing to have the big picture. In in Turkey, most people uh, have never seen a Bible, and when people come to to faith from their Muslim backgrounds, they uh, lack a framework. Of course, that's probably true of many people today uh, in this country as well, never read the Bible through. Uh, Many people don't have the idea of the big picture. So What we like to try to do is give people a big picture from the beginning of the story to the end of the story because the Bible is one book. It's a single story. It's one book, one story, and it all ties together from the beginning to the end. And to get a sense of how the big picture works helps us to fit ourselves into... it, fit our story into that big story. So that's what we're trying to do. We're going to be looking at the finished and unfinished work of Christ, uh, the foundation in the finished work, our hope in the unfinished work as he has promised uh, to do, and he is continuing to do what he's continuing to work on, and in that work he calls us to be his partners, so we have work to complete with him. So let's read these uh, two verses. I'd like to just pray before we uh, read these scriptures though again. Lord, we thank you that we have the privilege of opening your word. We thank you that your word is is clear and we can understand it. And we ask you, and we can understand it when you open it up to us. And we, Lord, remember how you opened the hearts of your disciples so that they could understand the scriptures and understand who you are and understand what you are uh, doing in our lives, and we pray that you would do that again today for us. In Jesus' name. So, from the cross, first of all, we read this after this uh, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head. And gave up his spirit. There's a cry. goes up from the cross. It is finished. I don't speak Greek. But I've, I remember hearing years ago. I, I have a bit of Greek. and Tetelestai was the word that went up. It's finished when a, when a work is done. Have you ever worked on something? Uh, maybe a project. Maybe a house job. Maybe a paper in school. And it's been a real hassle. And it's been a lot of work. And finally you get to the end. And you say, Oh, finally, it's finished. And it's a sense of satisfaction. Uh, of course, and I think that is in these words. It's not all that is in these words, as we'll see, but it is there. The Lord said, it is finished. Uh, and this is at the end of his time of suffering on the cross. And let's look to the, to the other scene in Revelation chapter 21. This is a few, uh, just a couple of the verses from it. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. It is done. Or it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. This word's from a a totally different scene. This is an unimaginably uh, magnificent, glorious scene. It's the final scene of the end of this earth as we know it. The Lord is making a new heavens and a new earth and this cry goes up this time not from the cross but from the throne of God. And it's, the cry is, it is done. The Lord is doing something now that will, he will one day finish and say, it is done. And we live between these two uh, calls. It is finished, it is done. We can kind of put these side by side in a a picture uh, and get a sense of them. Put them side by side. We can see how there are scenes that sort of complement each other. So you see the first on the left there. There's a, a, a call that goes up from the cross. On the cross he says, complete, finished. It is done. And then there's a second call that goes up from the throne. It is done. And interestingly, both of them have a crown related to them, right? Do you remember on the cross, there's a crown of thorns on his head as this call goes out. As he says, it is finished, he's wearing a crown of thorns. And in the second, he's crowned with a crown of glory or many crowns. The Lord is reigning. And so these are sort of the two key moments in biblical history. They're actually world history as well. If you look at the world as a Christian, then we, when we receive Jesus, we say yes to his view of history, to his understanding of the world and where it's going and who we are and what's happening. And so we live between these two uh, moments here. But I think to really get the full picture, you need to sort of wind back to the beginning of the story so we can wrap up. Slide back and go to the very beginning of the Bible, and we'll find another finished at the beginning. Uh, We'll find these words that thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So there's a finished at the beginning as well. The finished creation was finished. And do you find a crown at the beginning? Well, you actually do. Uh, you do, if you go to the Psalms, you'll find that when man created when man was created, when man and woman were created in the image of God, and God said to them, uh, Have dominion over all the earth, they were entrusted with the with God's reign over the earth, it was entrusted, it was He's sovereign over all things, but he entrusted the rule of the earth and the, the created world to mankind. And the psalmist talks about that in Psalm eight. He says, "You have crowned him, that is mankind, with glory and honor. You've put all things under his feet." So what happened? in between. Why do we have a cross in the middle of the story? Well, sin came in to the story. and let me mankind was warned in the day that you eat of that tree. And we all know the story. You shall surely die. And then after they eat of the fruit, the ground is cursed and the Uh, The earth is cursed and mankind is uh, debased, is corrupted. And you find down through the centuries that follow a a darkness, a shadow over the earth. And you find that this goes all the way through human history. It's the result of sin. It's the, the darkness that has come over the world and the hearts of men. Men's hearts are darkened, the Bible says. Uh, you know, you don't have this in other understandings of the world. People ask, "Why is there evil?" and they don't answer it in this way. They wrestle with it in other ways, perhaps. But the biblical understanding is that God is good, completely good, and He has made all He made all things good. Very good. So what happened? What's wrong? Why is the world not all good? Why are our lives not all good? Why is there suffering and pain and death and curse? Well, it's because of sin. Uh, into a good world, evil and sin and darkness came through the door opened by sin. Through one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so that's the, the big picture that follows. We, we call this the fall or the, the sin that entered into the world and affects all mankind. Uh, it's, and it's very important. If you don't understand this, you don't understand truly what's happening in the world, you'll look for political solutions, you'll look for other sorts of solutions, but they're ultimately uh, all fall short. This is the biblical understanding of what's wrong with us. And to get a proper understanding of what God is doing, you need to understand what's actually wrong. And it's quite interesting there that when that happened, uh, we find that, did I get it in there or did I forget it? I did forget it. Uh, I have the wrong slide up there, but you'll you'll know enough of the story to tell me. So what happened when the, well, I guess it is up there. Sorry. Because you have eaten of the tree, cursed is the ground because of you, thorns and thistles will come up thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. Did you ever think about why there was a crown of thorns on the cross? And the answer is that when they twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on Jesus head, it's the whole story encapsulated. the curse, the sin, the results of the fall, he's taking it all on his own head. He's taking it all on himself. He's taking the results of our sin, of humankind's wickedness and evil, and he's taking it on himself. It says he was made a curse for us. That's what was going on on the cross. Yes, it was cruel and in, unjust and wicked as they took a, a stick and beat this crown of thorns into his head. But in fact, he was taking it on himself. It says, he bore our sins on himself. He accepted it. He took it. God placed it on him. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. So what was going on in the cross was, uh, is pictured in that crown of thorns on the cross. Christ was doing the work of salvation as planned by God. He was crucified to accomplish this mysterious work. And if we come all the way to the end again, We'll find Christ, the returning one, crowned with many crowns, it says, many diadems, and you have that announcement from the throne, it is done, God is renewing all things, there will be no more, death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for all the former things have passed away. There will no longer be any curse, it says. And God will dwell among his redeemed people. And followers, uh, his redeemed people are whom? They are those who are following the Lamb, following the Lord Jesus. That's who they are. So I want to ask these three questions in the time that I have remaining then so that we understand it a little more clearly and ground ourselves in these three things. First of all, what did Jesus Christ finish on the cross 2,000 years ago when he said, It is finished? What was he finishing, and how does this affect us? How should we respond? Second, uh, what is the risen Lord doing on the throne? What is he working on? And how do we respond to that? And then, as people living between those two climaxes, in this present darkness, as Paul calls it, what are we supposed to do? How are we to live? Um... I think the first thing that we need to do, uh, even before we look at those three questions, is we're we're looking at this today primarily as what we as followers of Jesus Christ need to do. But it's it's not a given that everyone in the room is a follower of Jesus Christ today. Uh, When he says to us, follow me, come to me, and I will give you rest, that is what we need to do for any of this to make any sense to us. We need to come to him. We need to turn to him. We need to commit ourselves to him, to believe in him, to follow him as our master, as our savior, as our deliverer. And then we have something to complete. We don't complete it so that we become his. We become his and, he, and then we complete it. We don't run the race and then see whether we make it to him. He has to give us a race. He has to sign us up and put us in the race. He has to accept us into the race by saving us. And then we run the race he puts in front of us. So it's very important to come to him by faith. And we live by faith in this finished work. And, and then we hope in the still, to be finished, uh, the still to be finished work. So just to quickly remind us, what was finished on the cross? Well, He wasn't just saying my life is over. I finally finished this long-suffering life. Um, No, his whole life was perfect and it was intentional. Every step of it, he knew what he was doing and he didn't say a word that was out out of line. He knew precisely what he was doing and when he said he was finished, he had something that he was finishing. He thought about doing the will of God and accomplishing his work as his food. This is what he lived on. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And this was true of his whole life, but particularly of a specific time that he looked ahead to in his life. He called it his hour. My hour has not Yet come, he would sometimes say. This was an hour when he would not just die, but he would offer himself as a sacrifice. Uh, You know the the way John, remember John the Baptist, when Jesus came to uh, be uh, baptized. And he looked at Jesus and said to his disciples, Behold, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that is what he had come to do. That is why he became a man, was to die. And that was always before him. When that hour finally came upon him, and interestingly it happened when it was no longer the Jews just coming to him, but some Greeks started to come. People from these other nations started to come to him. Then he said, okay, my hour has come. My hour has come. The hour has come. Now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. This is why I came, he said. To the very end, he gave himself with great love to accomplish the work that had been given by his father. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you gave me to do. He didn't spare or hold back. And, you know, we're actually called to do the same. Paul says an amazing thing in the book of Ephesians. It's actually the chapter where he talks about um, marriage. And he talks about workplace, how we should serve in the workplace, and how we should be in relation to our parents. It's the very beginning of that chapter, Ephesians chapter 5. He says, therefore, be imitators of God. How do you do that? Now, this is in these contexts. In your marriage, be an imitator of God. And then he explains it, as beloved children. Walk in love, that's just what it means. Walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for our sins, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. It's a very interesting verse, and it's been very it's been helpful to me to think about it. It says that what Christ did was on our behalf, it was for us, but he gave himself. To God. To do it. There's a lot of things that we are asked to do for people. In our marriages. In our lives. In our jobs. Whatever it is. And if it's just being done for those people. It's very difficult. But if. In what we do for other people. If we can see those things that we are called to do. As the things the father has given us. To do. And say. Father, of course, let me do this for them. Let me do it right. I'll do it for you, Father. It's for them. They'll benefit, my employer, whoever it is, but I will do it for you. I think that gives you a different perspective on what we do. So everything about him that he did was done in that spirit. Uh, What did he finish? Well, everything that was written in the scriptures about his suffering so that that passage, Jesus, knowing that all that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scriptures, "I thirst." You know, he did this uh, to fulfill what had been written. And these the scriptures, the Old Testament, explains to us what he was actually doing. He was giving himself as a sacrifice, as an offering. He died once for all when he offered himself up. At the end of the ages, he has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Christ, when he had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. He knew what he was doing when he gave himself. We can't add anything to that. There's nothing we can add. We live on this basis. We believe this. We worship. He provided reconciliation with God. He provided... Uh, atonement. He provided redemption. He secured the victory over sin and death and Satan. All of these things he did for us on our behalf. He finished it. He said, it is done. What do we do to respond to this? We say, my Lord, my God. We say, thank you, Lord. I remember a long time ago, I think it was... some of you know William McDonald. I remember him sitting down. I never knew that how he, well he played the piano, till he sat down at the piano in the front of, the front of the uh, little gospel chapel in, in Evanston, and he played a song that was new at that time. It was, "Thank you Jesus, Thank you Jesus, for loving me." And there's three verses to that, and he, sang, and he sang and that is the response: "Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for loving me." That's how we respond to what He has done on the cross. By believing in His death for our sins and in God who raised Him from the dead on the third day, we are saved. That's the the biblical language for that. It's not so popular anymore. It's more popular to speak about being on a journey. Uh, And that's not untrue. But there there is salvation. There is coming from darkness into light. There is being saved from death and from hell. from There's a, a, the concept of being saved. That's what happens. This is biblical language. We are justified. We die with Christ. We are raised with him. His death is our death. His life is our life. We are new creatures in him. So, what is being done on the throne? Well, we speak of that finished work of Christ Praise God, it is finished. But there's another sense that, in, that when Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to the Father, his work was just beginning. He was just beginning the work that would be built on that foundation. He was, lay, he was on that, that cross, and as a, the cornerstone was being laid, but there was a building to build that he's the cornerstone of. And that's what he has been doing. He is now drawing people to himself from all nations. Uh, He's shining light into darkness. We talked about that this morning, how God is saying Christ, uh, he shines light into hearts to see who he is. He is at work. The Father has said, sit at my right hand until your enemies are made your footstool. His rule as the one who has all authority in heaven on earth, as the Lord of glory, the Christ, the risen one, is being proclaimed and that's going to be proclaimed to all the nations as a witness and till that's done and then the end will come he says Matthew 24, 14 what he said on the cross gives us a sense of that he said knowing all that all was now finished he said to fulfill the scriptures I thirst and so he that zeal that took him there is still the same zeal, zeal that is saying, I will give to the one who thirsts from the, water of the spring of, uh, the, from the spring of the water of life without cost. And this is what is going on through and with his people. He is today offering the water of life that he has, been, he has secured to all people. He's, his heart hasn't changed. You know, when the Lord rose from the dead, he, hadn't, he suddenly didn't, oh, okay, nothing more left to do. He's been, he has the same zeal, the zealous heart that took him to the cross is now at work through this whole age. He's still crying out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he's doing that through his people. So he's gathering a people from all nations for himself. Uh, he still has that same heart. But it's quite interesting that he went to the cross by himself. Nobody with him. He did that work himself. But this work, he's not doing by himself. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, so I'm going to go to all nations. That's not what he said. He said, all authority has been given to me. You go, therefore. So, the work that he's doing now is being done with his people. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. What is he doing? Well, he is completing a work that he started in each of us. He's doing something in us. He's working in everyone, every one of us today. Anybody who's turned to Christ, and I don't know anybody here well enough to, well, I know a lot of you pretty well, but I know that... uh, If you've turned to Christ, he's started a construction work in you. Renovation. He's tearing down and he's building up. This is what we call the the work of sanctification, of making us new. Paul talks about this in, in Philippians. He says, I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus um the brother whose name some of you would know we've talked we talked about him for years he went to be with Christ about 3 years ago 4 years ago now con he would always when he gave his testimony he would always talk about how when he first read the gospel of Matthew he got to chapter 5 the sermon on the mount and the call to love your enemies and the challenge to be not even to look on a woman with lust. And he said, I'm done for. If there's any true God, it's right here, but I'm in bad shape. And then he continued to read and he saw that Jesus called all the weary, all the failing, all the sinners to himself and he saved them. And then he began to work in them and began to remake them. And he would always tell the young believers, look, you come the way you are And when he puts his spirit in you, he's going to start to work and you're not even going to understand how you have, you'll look back a year from the time you say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. And you'll see, wow, something's going on inside me. I no longer love those things I once loved. And I'm starting to hate some things that I never hated. It's, this is a little bit of, here's two Turkish signs. I didn't have time to put the English in. Um, So this says, care, take care, or look out. There's construction work going on. And then the other one says, uh, we apologize for the, the disturbance we're causing around us. And it's sort of like that when person comes to Christ. You know, there's sometimes a lot of uh, things that are going on inside, and there's construction going on. Some things are getting knocked down, and other things are being built up, and people become uncomfortable because they try to do things in the new way, and they don't do it in quite the right way that we're all kind of used to as proper Christians. And then, but there's God is doing a great work. He's renovating from within, he's building. And and we're not just blocks of stone where he's chipping away on us, where it's not just passive. We cooperate with him in that, or it doesn't happen. What's he say? The next chapter in Philippians chapter two work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. We cooperate, we say, yes, Lord, hit me again there, I want this part to go. <laughs> you know, it's the old uh, Bill Gothard picture of the, the diamond being shaped out of a lump of coal and the, he takes the, um, the chisel and puts it on the rough spot and hits it and it doesn't pop off, doesn't crack. And so what's he do? Puts it on it again and hits it just a little bit harder until it comes off. He's working, he's constructing, he's shaping us. So I can make a long list of things that the Lord is doing. This present evil age is being brought to an end. Christ will return. All things will be made new. And we are, this is our hope. But I want to take the few minutes that remain to me to ask, what are we to do in between? What are we to complete? What has been entrusted to us Uh, We want to be able to say at the end of our lives uh, that it is, I have finished. It's an important thing. It's one thing to begin. It's another thing to finish and to finish well. Finishing well the race that's been put in front of us. uh, We, as thankful people, we we need to finish the race with faith and hope and love. So there's just two things that we're going to think about as we conclude. One is to complete our work. And the other is to finish our race. So we are given some things to do. We're not saved because we do those things. We're not saved by good works. We all know that. But we are saved to do good works. We don't do it to become Christians. But because we are Christians, we we love good works. The Holy Spirit within us, working within us, gives us a desire to do what is good, and we need to stir that up. Uh, what's it say, Ephesians 2, 8-10, For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Remember what the Lord said: that my food is to do the will of the Father and to accomplish His work, the things that He's given me to do. We don't always have the taste for that food. You know, it's not easy to eat health food sometimes. Healthy food—it's it's an acquired taste. You know, it's much easier to to eat the the other things, and it's a little bit that way with doing God's will instead of our own. It's an acquired taste. We learn. Uh, to do the will of God, and it becomes our food. Where do we begin? Well, with the small things, doing the small things that are in front of us that he gives us to do. There is a principle in the scripture of completion. Jesus told his disciples, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. We are called to complete. We are called to follow him. To follow me, he said, finishing is crucial it's not unimportant and it cooperates with the truth that those who belong to him are held by him that's why he says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling and there's a principle of completing uh, in the kingdom of God Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? But we're really weak. We have a hard time completing even a small thing. So what do we do? Well, we go to the throne of grace. And there he is. We come for help. We say, Lord, I can't do it. I'm weak. And he gives us help from the throne of grace. That's how we do it. Uh, We have also a race to run. The race is put before it. Like Paul said, bonds and afflictions await me. He knew that the rest of his life was not going to be easy. But he said, I do not consider my life as any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. We have a race to run. Every one of us has a, a specific race. It's not the same race for all of us. I was in a city in far eastern Turkey uh, just last week, and a guy who had been from way up in the mountains in eastern Turkey, right on the border of Armenia, uh, a Kurdish man, said, You know, George, why did it take so long? Why did I get to know Christ? He's a 50-year-old man. At 50, all these years are gone. Well, he has a shorter race in some ways to run. But we're each given a race to run. We're entered into that race by the Lord himself. Each of us have different hurdles in our race. The Lord gives us strength for that, uh, to do the work and to run the race. So just think for a second today, we only have a couple of minutes left, but in fact, I'm going over by a couple of minutes just so you know. Um, Think, what job have I been given to do? What now, not just my overall life, but what task have I been given by the Lord to do? And what's the next lap in front of me on this race that I need to, to finish? Sometimes picture our lives, you know, you can't, on some tracks, you can't see the finish line. And so um, you keep, you're keep you looking, you're running, you're running, you're running, and you're looking. And where's the finish line? And all of a sudden, it's going to appear. And there we are at the end of the race. And we want to be able to say, like Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I've kept the faith. It's a struggle. It's a fight, he said. But I've kept it. Sometimes we have this image, though, that this is entirely on our own, individual. Me, the Lord, and the race. I like this picture. Never seen this picture before? This is a, a, a guy about a few yards from the finish line at a, in a marathon, and he's not making it. He's going to collapse. How's he finishing it? Look at these guys around him. You know, in the West, we look at things just in the, the center of the picture particularly, the individual thing. But there's a, back, there's a whole group of people that are urging him on. That's how he finished the race. These guys saying, come on, you can do it. Two more steps. You're almost there. Keep going. And there's a sense in which we all need that in our lives. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as the, the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need to encourage one another. We need to say to one another when we see each other struggling. Keep at it. We're praying for you. I'm with you. What can I do to walk with you? How can I help you? And maybe we're the one that's struggling. Say, brothers, I'm really struggling. Would you help me with this? Walk with me. Pray for me. Strengthen me. I've sinned. Confess your sins to one another, the scripture says. Find a couple of people and ask for help so that we might continue the race and finish well. Therefore, you therefore, my son, be strong in the race that is in Christ Jesus. Be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Fulfill your ministry. Do what you've been called on to do. We don't know exactly what it is. It might be a particular task. It might not be what we expected but it's what we are called to do. So the key is, and I'm finishing with two slides, this verse, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. It is finished. This is our faith. right? This is what we believe. Christ finished the work. And it will be finished. This is our sure and certain hope. He is working and he will complete it. But let us finish our race and do the work that he has given us to do. This is our labor of love that we have been called to do. Let's pray together. We thank you. Lord, that you have finished a great and a wonderful work, a saving work that only you could do. And you gave yourself with all your heart to finish the work, that terrible work, that mysterious work of suffering and bearing our sins. You gave yourself, you finished it. And we thank you, Lord, that that same zeal is at work today in finishing the, the age you are gathering a people from all nations to yourself, you're working in all of our lives. You're finishing it and you will complete it until the day of Christ. And we ask you to give us strength to, to accomplish the work, whatever it might be, Lord, whether it's taking care of someone, whether it's doing our job well, whether it's bearing testimony, whatever it is to help us to accomplish the work and to finish our race. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.